This week's start over. Hey, tune in this week. Welcome to part two with our special guest star, Bart Mixon. Bart Mixon is who? He is a makeup effects artist. If you haven't watched part one, actually go back and watch it because yeah. it, it flows very well. Yeah, it's a very, the first part is very fascinating. It is almost as fascinating as part two where we're going to talk about Marvel. You kids like comic books? Yeah, <laughs> I say do, yes? obviously. I'm assuming they said yes. I don't know. I didn't hear them. The camera you're, doesn't talk if back. If you're listening to us and you don't like comic books, why are you listening to us? I don't really read comic books, and I do the show with you. Maybe, and you James. Should, maybe you should think about leaving. Where's James? This is week two, and we still don't see James. The ointment is just now kicking in. The ointment, the ointment. Uh, sir. Do you remember that scene in Planet Terror of Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> oh my god! Certain things with his genitalia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think ointment's going to put that back on James. Maybe some that, crazy glue. Uh, correction, that wasn't Quentin Tarantino. Was, Although that was Quentin Tarantino. That was Tarantino's it? junk, Sorry. who's melting off in Planet Terror. Here's Bart Mixon. Enjoy the show. Let's talk about your work uh, on uh, Hellboy 1 and 2. I gotta ask you about Hellboy 1 and 2. Yeah, we're Del Toro fans, so we gotta hear a little bit about it. Plus, I'm not mistaken, was this your your first comic book movie, was Hellboy? Am I mistaken? Uh, I'm trying to think where that, um, well, if you count, you count Men in Black. Oh, yeah, Min- yeah. Well, okay, I forgot about Men in Black. Yeah. yeah. I had worked on uh, I had worked on the first Men in Black. Um, I had my own shop um, from 94 to 98, and Rick uh, subcontracted a couple of characters. Um, the father and son, Vern Troyer, wore the, the son alien, um, and Debbie Carrington from uh, Total Recall, the, the little blonde uh, prostitute with the machine gun. She was uh-huh. the, the father of the alien. And they ended up on like on the back of the video box, you know, it's like they're hardly in the movie. They're just in the background, but they're, they were all over merchandising. Um, And I tried to get the Roger Corman Fantastic Four, but I, I I didn't uh, end up getting that job. But um, so I guess, um, so yeah, probably then Hellboy was, would have been the first. And I, I I hardly even count Men in Black because I'm in the Malibu. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you're, you're a, you're a huge, and you're a huge comic book person, right? That's what all this is. Yeah. Uh, before we get into Hellboy, gotta ask favorite comic book hero. Uh, well, my that would be Jack Kirby because he created all my favorite characters. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm a Marvel guy. I grew up in the '60s. Spider-Man Six was the first uh, comic book that I bought, and um, I quickly I, I got a couple of DCs, but I could quickly you know tell the difference between what Ditko and Kirby were doing at Marvel versus what was going on over DC. So um, I even when Ditko left Marvel and went to DC to do uh, the Creeper and Hawk and the Dove, I was like, nope, nope, it's DC. I can't get it. But then when Kirby quit in 70 and went to do the New Gods at DC, then I obviously had to follow Kirby. So, um, I mean, the Fantastic Four, I think when Kirby did it, it was the world's greatest comic magazine. And uh, that that run that he and Stan Lee did, those 100 issues or 102 issues, or that's the, they've yet to be top. So that that's my, my all-time favorite comic so even getting to work on the say what you will about the michael chiklis movies they're certainly better than the one that they did in 2015 without question yeah. yes and, and hopefully if this fox disney thing goes through hopefully marvel will finally get a real fantastic four movie um, I, I think honestly with this merger that's happening 
movie fans, that's the one thing that we're hoping comes out of this whole thing is just give us a good Fantastic Four yeah. movie. I, I agree. I mean, X-Men, uh, you know, I don't mind it being, if I had, you know, I'd be happy if just the Fantastic Four and all those characters came back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Fox has been, there's been some hit and misses with X-Men, but for the most part, they've done a pretty good job with, you know, most of the X-Men stuff. The Fantastic Four just needs and deserves a better yeah. treatment than it's gotten. And it's, it won't be till Kevin Feige gets his hands on it, which Kevin was the, um, we did the first Fantastic Four. He was Avi Arad's assistant. So he was like the guy who could, you could sit there and talk comic books with, with on set. Uh-huh. And so um, thankfully he remembers me from that. So like anytime, like I just saw him on Captain Marvel and he's like, look at this, we got scrolls. How great is that? So <laughs> like we'll geek out for, you know, two or three minutes and he goes back to being a, you know, multi-million dollar executive. And I'm just the, the, the day check and makeup guy. But he like when we did the watcher stuff for guardians Two. Um, he was the same thing. He's like, look at this. We got Stanley and watchers, you know, <laughs> who would have thought, you know, so we were all like, yay, you know, and, um, but I will, I will give you my quick, uh, Feige fantastic four story. Um, we're so on the first fantastic four again, we're just chatting with, I'm chatting with Kevin and everybody's kind of all excited because Stan Lee's going to be coming to do his cameo. So I'm like, oh, let's, you know, what's Stan's cameo going to be in this one? And Kevin's like, I don't know. We got to think of something good. And I'm like, well, he should be Willie Lumpkin, you know? And he's like, that's a great idea. So like about a day or two later, there's new script pages with the character Willie Lumpkin has been added. Yeah. Um, the, the doorman, they took lines away from the doorman. So he probably didn't appreciate it, but uh, the stuff about here's your mail, Dr. Richards, you know, glad to have you back or whatever. That was originally just the, the Baxter building doorman was going to be saying that, but they gave that to, to Stan. Um, so I can, I can take credit for his Willie Lumpkin cameo. Um, the <laughs> other thing awesome. I, wish, I was pissed off at Stan about, he refused to, you know, he has the, the, the sunglasses with the graduated, uh, yeah. abridged, uh, they, they had Willie Lumpkin, you know, the round glasses. And they were like, here, Stan, why don't you wear these? He's like, no, oh, no, I got to wear my trademark glasses. It's like, no, you don't, Stan. <laughs> you know, you know, we'll all know character. it's you. We will yeah, know it's Stan Lee. Yeah. So at least like in Guardians, the first Guardians where he had those wacky glasses, at yeah. least they finally got him off of him. But, but yeah, he that was the one thing. It was weird that he was just wasn't comfortable not, you know, not wearing those, you know. But anyway. No, I, it's great. I, I will say I got to take some umbrage with a comment you made previously uh, about Steve Ditko's uh, Creeper. Uh, the Creeper's one of my favorite comic book characters. <laughs> I love Ditko stuff. It's just, as the 10-year-old the or 8-year-old yeah. kid, whatever I was yeah. when that came out, that wasn't enough of a lure to get me over to D.C., even yeah. to buy his books. Even, like, the Blue Beetle, I'd be like, you know, while he was still doing Spider-Man, he was doing Blue Beetle at Charlton, and I'd be, we got one or two of them, but we never made an effort to, to collect you know, and, and the same thing, it wasn't until Kirby, but once Kirby went to DC, then I was like, oh, you know, Joe Kubert Tarzan, you know, Bernie Wrights and Swamp Thing. And so then I kind of opened up my, yeah. my world a little bit, but I'm still a, a Kirby guy. I can't, I, I've got all my Kirby omnibuses over there and uh, I got to meet Kirby uh, once or twice before he died. So that was cool. In fact, my, my brother worked on the um, Albert Pune Captain America movie. Yeah. Uh -huh. the, 94 or whatever, the, the awful one. <laughs> but uh, he made sure and um, have he made sure that Kirby and uh, Roz were invited to the cast and crew screening. So my brother and I and Kirby and Mrs. Kirby are all sitting there watching it. 
And like Kirby sitting there through the whole movie going like, put the uniform on, you know, just under his breath. He was all, cause he's basically just Captain America, like right at the beginning and right at the end. Oh yeah. You know, he's, he's in uniform very little, but Kirby just sat there the whole time. Anytime Steve Rogers was on, he was just like, put the uniform on. And he had so, no and problems that, with what they did to the red skull. <laughs> um, he had less, uh, I, I just specifically remember that. I didn't ask him about the red skull. <laughs> <laughs> if any of you have seen a picture of, uh, Kirby with the Captain America shield. That's yeah. my brother. My brother took that shield over. That was the shield from the movie, and he took that over to Kirby's house and for the photos. And then that that shield is now in the Mixed Memories Museum. That's well. amazing. Jack Kirby. Uh, my my. Uh, well, James here is the big Marvel fan. I'm the big DC fan. Uh, but Jack Kirby, uh, he appealed to me most because of his. Uh, my favorite comic book character of all time is a combination of either Green Lantern or Green Arrow. And I own his entire run of when he did the Green Arrow. Right. So, uh, Which, yeah, I just love Jack Kirby's run of the Green Arrow. Yeah. Even even that one, I guess, he, uh, when he took over the Green Arrow strip in the 50s, yeah. like, the editors were just like, well, just go, you know, let's see what your Green Arrow would look like. So they just wanted him to draw, like, a picture of the Green Arrow, and then Kirby came back with a 10-page story. <laughs> <laughs> so all the science fiction-y stuff. I guess Green Arrow was more kind of just like a Batman knockoff. And sadly, well, that's yeah. what he is now in television. <laughs> right, right. But um. But anyway, but no, I, Kirby's, you know, challenges of the unknown. I mean. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you can't beat that. Yeah. And it's, and it's clearly, I mean, I'm just glad Marvel's finally giving him, I guess, since all the legal business has been settled, they can now admit that Kirby, you know, had a lot to do with, uh, you know, creating all these characters yeah, I'm, and, uh, I'm, that's one thing i'm glad with the uh the emergence of comic book movies is people like jack kirby and bill finger are finally getting credit yeah yeah in fact i love the my favorite part of the justice league movie was the jack kirby in the end crawl which i don't know why you know it's got like wonder woman and superman created by and then there's this huge gap and then kirby gets like a single line like uh, essentially a single card credit and then there's a huge, another huge gap before, like, you know, Batman and whatever. So his his new God stuff is, like, really just, you know, just out there by itself, which I thought was great that they singled him out that much. It is going to be a little frustrating that by the time Darkseid comes to the screen that, you know, Thanos is a dark Darkseid knockoff. Exactly. And, you know, and everybody, you know, we've been seeing Thanos now for the last, you know, whatever, eight years with all the Avengers and Guardians and stuff. So by the time Darkseid shows up, your uneducated moviegoer is just going to assume that he's a ripoff of um, Thanos, much like people thought The Incredibles was a, or The Fantastic Four was a knockoff of The Incredibles, you know, when right. that came out, you know. So, um, so yeah, that's going to be a little frustrating. And then it's like DC has beaten Marvel to the punch with Aquaman, whereas Submariner came out a year or two before, you know, Aquaman did. So it's just weird that they can't get these things out in the right order. But, um, I would love to do a dark side makeup. Hopefully, if and when they get to dark side, they'll do him as a makeup uh, and not a big CGI thing. Oh, uh, you know, that's one of the hopes. <laughs> Thanos, the first Avengers, Thanos was a makeup. That that uh, after credit scene where he turned around and smiled about you know courting death or whatever. Yeah. That was that was a guy in a makeup. A couple of friends of mine applied that, uh, and then why they didn't stick with makeup i have no idea i mean i thought he looked great in the new one i mean you oh, can't yeah. argue that but it's also they spent millions and millions and millions of dollars <laughs> right 
it's just interesting. I mean, like I've worked on Guardians and uh, like I do the vision for uh, Civil War and, and Infinity War. Right. And Nebula and the vision aren't that different visually, you know, characters. I mean, they're both kind of robotic and they've got geometric lines and whatnot on them. But uh, Nebula is all makeup and the vision is a fairly heavy makeup, but with a lot of CGI on top of it. And it's just, I'm not real sure what, since I, since I, you know, they were both designed on movies prior to my being involved. I don't know the thought process that led them to like, let's do this one completely as a makeup and let's do this one as a makeup with a heavy dose of digital on top of it. Cause you know, we put a cowl on Paul Bettany and a bald cap and paint him red. And I put a bunch of tracking dots on there and then, you know, the CGI guys do all the, like the eye treatment and all the lines and stuff, you know, and dimension in the face. So it's just, it's just interesting. I, I don't know if it's just the aesthetic choices of the different directors. I think James Gunn is more of a right. makeup effects guy, you know, and like with Slither and all that stuff, I think he just likes the rubber. Everybody has prosthetics on in the Guardians movie, you know, and then, um, you know, again, I'm not sure what led to the you know to the choices but when i inherited the vision on civil war it was all it was pretty much like all right this is the this is the way we're doing so i was like okay somebody's got a painting red it might as well be me so um <laughs> you know but paul bettany's great elizabeth olsen's great you know chris evans cool i made him up in the second fantastic four so you know he's a you know he's a nice guy they're all it's as a fan and you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, then, let's not. We'll put off Del Toro for a few minutes because we're we're getting some some fascinating things here because it it's it's great. Or I, I'm trying to think of the way to put it. I'm sitting here listening to you. You followed these things as a child, and now you're actually on the set. And you're not on the set of the Corman film, which we've had the director, by the way, on the show, Mick Strawn, the production designer. We've had them on the show. He's a good friend of the show, but. And I'm not knocking those, but you're on the Marvel films, and they don't suck. And they're finally spending the money. And this is yep. finally pop culture. These are A movies. Right. You're living the dream every time you walk on one of those sets, I would imagine. In, indeed. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, I, I've got a closet full of uh, Marvel t-shirts. I probably own about a uh, between 150 and 200. <clears throat> I've got about maybe over a dozen Pennywise, but I've got just a a boatload of Marvel shirts. Like when I did Guardians 2, I packed a suitcase and shipped there with like 45 shirts in it so that I wouldn't have to wear, I wouldn't have to duplicate. You know, I could just wear a different shirt every day. Really? And I made, <laughs> I made sure it was only characters that Marvel had the rights to. There's a thought <laughs> process here. But no, yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, yeah, fans dream come true. It's finally the technology has caught up with right. the imagination. You guys like, Kirby and Ditko and those guys and uh and if they're willing to spend the money then you get you know the results I mean that, that was one of the frustrating things with the two Michael Chiklis Fantastic Four movies like the first one started with an 80 million dollar budget and it ballooned to about 100 million but it's still it's like you've got four super powered heroes plus a super powered villain but you don't have the money to realize them, you know, put them to, to right, right. display their powers on screen. Um, we were doing reshoots on the first one, and I was like, hey, you know, like this shot where Mr. Fantastic is walking around his desk to pick up a notebook, why doesn't he just stretch and pick it up? Oh, because that's, we can't afford that, you know. And then the first Iron Man comes out, and that's like a $150 million movie. So you got basically one guy 
you know, you got twice the budget and only one character. So it's like, well, no wonder you know, it's a big surprise that Iron Man turned out so good. I mean, it was a you know great actor and right, right. everything was just right. But if they had tried to make Iron Man for half the budget, I don't think it would have been the same movie. No, I right. think a better example is even uh, the, recent, the recent Inhumans fiasco <laughs> where, uh, you know, that was basically, it was what? It was 10, eight or 10 one hour movies. So basically for, and I think they spent maybe a hundred million dollars for the whole thing. So right off the bat, Guardians of the Galaxy was a two hour movie and they spent $200 million. So, you know, so try, imagine how good Guardians would have been on a $20 million budget. You know, if you figure like the first two hour in humans movie, they probably spent, you know, whatever fraction of that $100 million budget, it was probably roughly $20 million. So, you know, Guardians would have sucked. Yeah, right. You wouldn't have, Drax wouldn't be the cool makeup he is, you know, Gamora. So, I mean, you do need a certain amount of money to bring this stuff to the screen. And as long as they keep, that's why I always hated it when they said like, oh, you know, some stuff doesn't translate. It's like, well, no, that's just because you don't want to spend the money to do it right. You know, I, I, I think all this Marvel stuff lately, I mean, you had a Celestial in the first Guardians. So here you got this big space giant, you know, blowing up a planet. It's like, that's the kind of thing that years ago, people, like people say Galactus won't work on screen. Of course he will. If you get the right people and put the right money in it, you know, it's going to be great. I mean, you know, if you compare the Spider-Man suit in the Raimi Spider-Man to the, to the TV 1970s Spider-Man, you know, I mean, right. it's the same design, but one of them looks a lot better. And that's because they spend a million dollars versus, you know, a hundred bucks. You know, and it's just you got to have the you got to have the right people, but you got to have the right budgets and the right attitude. And I think that's where Marvel and is succeeding with Feige is that you've got a fan steering the ship and and laying at least in broad strokes, you know, planning where it's going. Like say the Fantastic Four movies, uh, the guys at Fox didn't really care, and especially with the 2015 Fantastic Four, you can tell they really didn't care about making a good movie or not, you know, they just want to keep the rights tied up, so, um, you know, again, that's, I'm hoping the Fantastic Four finally comes back to Marvel, so we'll get a good one, but it's just, if you you know, you got people, you know, you got a decent budget, you got people that give a shit, <laughs> yeah. and whoa, big surprise, you got a good movie, and that's why all the Marvel movies together, they've, what, made like six billion dollars or more, I mean, it's, you know, those 20 films, I forget what the uh, tally was, but it's, you know, so I mean, the stuff, it does work. It's just, you got to have some faith in it. You got to have the right people. And, you know, so I'm glad to be a part of it, even whatever small, you know, small way I am. So. Yeah. And back on but the it, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Way to go. Justice League, yeah. turning it into Lord of the Rings. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what, I don't know. Well, I don't know why they, Again, they just don't, they don't, they need a Kevin Feige. And I don't know yeah. if they can find that, you know, or not. So we'll see. I mean, as long as they, I, I'm, I have high hopes for the new Gods movie. I'm a little worried that it's the director of A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, that doesn't instill me with any confidence. But, um, but uh, hopefully just the material and just the concepts and stuff are strong enough that, that it'll, it's like when Kirby had a bad inker at Marvel, you still, just his storytelling and his artwork could still sh shine through, you know, yeah. he could survive, you know, or a, or a Paul Reinman. So, you know, um, right. you know, hopefully, 
you know the the new god stuff won't get won't get wrecked but you know fingers crossed so yeah <laughs> all right um so back to del toro working yeah. on hellboy one and hellboy two all right did, did you get to spend a lot of time with him what, what, what did you do on uh, the two hellboy films um well yeah let's see the first uh, i was working at rick baker's uh, the first hellboy was done uh, out of a cinovation rick baker's shop um going back i think when we were doing the grinch which was 99 del that was the first time del toro came in for a meeting uh with hellboy uh, or about hellboy and there's a story um i don't think they had ron perlman in mind for that yet but matt rose who designed the makeup um he just went down into the archives at rick's and you know him and chad waters they co they co-built all the stuff and they just were like you know who who can we sculpt this on they want to do like a, a clay sketch and and they just picked ron perlman's head cast they're like oh perlman would be great so the, even back in 99 I, I don't know if that was if that helped give guillermo the idea i mean i know guillermo and mignola tell a story about them both like yeah. having a meeting just going like uh perlman you know yeah so it, i just thought it was interesting all three of these guys totally separate from each other all thinking uh, Perlman um, but again that was 99 it we had a few meetings it went away um, I went on and was working on other stuff um, I think I was doing Cat in the Hat for Steve Johnson when uh, Hellboy finally started and uh, again Matt and Chad were building uh, they built Hellboy over at Rick Baker's uh, Spectral Motion did Abe and uh, a lot of the other characters, and then DDT in Spain did the uh, Kronos, or not Kronos, uh, uh, the guy with the, the mask. What the hell was his name? You know who oh, I Oh, mean, yeah, 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 the Nazi. Uh, what is his name? Uh, it's not Kronos. It's like Kronos, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. Kronos is uh, Del Toro's first film with oh. Ron Perlman in it, so yeah. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so they, they did most of the pre-production uh, while I was on Cat in the Hat. At some point, I had a... Uh, issues with the producer on with cat in the hat he was uh screwing me out of some sag days i was, I was doing some puppeteering that i was supposed to be we had agreed that i would be you know on a sag contract for those days and then he uh, reneged on that so um when matt called up around christmas time and said hey you know want you to do the stunt double makeup on hellboy and and help um finish up in the shop they were getting ready to ship everything off the location so i, I quit getting the hat and I, the first of the year i went over and and helped them you know finish up building hellboy and, and getting everything ready to, to ship to a, a prague we did the first one in prague the second one in budapest so i did the um <clears throat> on hellboy one i did the photo double uh, or stunt double hellboy we went through three different uh, actors um we had to uh we had to actually make the guy up to look like ron perlman first uh, we had a two-piece prosthetic uh, to to get his dimensions to to match Ron's, and then the the uh, that way the Hellboy pieces would then fit on top of him. Ron's Ron's got a very specific profile. He's very, for lack of a better word, he's very simian. Yes. Uh, I, you know, he was probably the only caveman in Quest for Fire that didn't uh, didn't need to make up. Yeah. yeah. Although he did have some prosthetics, but um, <laughs> um, but by doing it that way, every every uh, piece we had to we shipped like 200 sets of prosthetics uh to Prague for 100 for Ron and 100 for the stunt double um had um had we not done it this way had the stunt doubles makeup has been custom uh pieces then uh they would have 
taking a whole new set of molds and, and all this stuff by by it all being by everything being a Ron Perlman pieces, every foam run the foam department did was potentially a hero piece. And if it wasn't good enough for a hero piece, then I would get it for the for the stunt double. And there was more than one occasion when uh, Matt Rose and Jake Garber, who were applying Ron Perlman's makeup, they'd be like sticking a piece on there, go like, oh, I don't like the looks of, you know, this neck. Hey, let me see your neck part. Oh, okay, this looks better. So they were like trade pieces. So had uh, had they not all been out of the same molds, they, they wouldn't have been able to do that. But um, I did the double about, oh, probably 70 or 80 times. Um, again, it, um, it was the exact same makeup that Ron Perlman wore with the addition of these two extra pieces that um, that bulked out the performer's uh, face, you know, to, to Perlman's proportions. We also did the same trick on the Fantastic Four and on X Men Three for the for the stunt doubles for the Beast and the, the Thing. Um, but uh, it was I was a Mike Mignola fan from from way back uh, since like Cosmic Odyssey, which was a DC book. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Quit trying to butter me up. I guess I remember who being familiar with who Mike was, was when uh, John Byrne was doing the Hulk and Mignola, no, Mignola was doing the Hulk. Or no, Mignola was, yeah, Mignola was doing the Hulk and Byrne was doing Alpha Flight. And then they had a crossover story. And at the end of the story, they switched creative teams. So Byrne got the Hulk and Mignola got Alpha Flight. So I kept buying Alpha Flight and I was going like, oh, this Mignola guy is pretty good. And then he did like a Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom crossover that was pretty cool. And he did Gotham by Gaslight, you know, with the Batman thing. And then yeah. he did the Cosmic Odyssey, which was Kirby characters. So, you know, what's not to like there? So by the time Hellboy came along in 94, I was already a Mignola fan. So that was an automatic, you know, buy for me. So I, I collected, you know, I was a fan anyway. So when I uh, got to work on the movie and then ultimately I got to meet Mike uh, on set, um, I was wearing an Avengers t-shirt that he had drawn. So I remember him sticking his head in the trailer and going like, hey, I drew that. I was like, I know you did. That's that's why I'm wearing it. And uh, we, we've been friends ever since. He actually gave me his phone number. He's had me over to his house. He, he still talks to me, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, but So that, so you're uh, going to text that to us in a second, right? So we can have him on the show. <laughs> and I'm very jealous of your T-shirt collection. I just, I must admit. <laughs> you do have one hell of a T-shirt collection, sir. I've got way too many it's i i need to start i i know i was wearing one the other day i was doing something that i wanted a shirt that i didn't mind if i got some like yeah. paint on it, whatever and i realized that i'd worn it on a show i did in mexico in 1998 so and it's like and i still have it i'm like geez you gotta you, it's okay to throw a few of these away <laughs> but um but it's uh you know uh, yes it's it's i as you can tell like if you look at my instagram it's like uh suddenly yeah, I hadn't posted anything in months, and then bam, now I posted like 200 things in the last week or whatever. Yeah. So I tend to overdo stuff. I'll like, uh, you know, like the, the t-shirts or whatever, then I'll kind of, you know, run out of steam. But um, but anyway, but they're mostly Kirby. I'm mostly, I am selective. It's not like I'm just buying anything. <laughs> you know, it's it's character, but it's all, but it's more about the artist. But I've, I got some good Don Hex lately, like a nice Ant-Man and the Wasp. And uh, <laughs> We're doing Captain Marvel, and they were doing reshoots for Ant Man on the stage next uh -huh. to us. So I was, you know, being sure to wear Ant Man shirts, you know, while, while <laughs> and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, still have, you know, still have fun with it. I'm still a fan, and you know, all that sort of thing. So, 
So you're going to go ahead happen. and give us some spoilers for Captain Marvel, right? This is going to be a bonehead <laughs> exclusive. No, no. no I, I don't want to know. I, I don't want to know. I had to bring it up. I had to say I mean, it. We talked about it before the show. I just wanted to make a joke about it. I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm sure it's safe to assume that both with Ant-Man and the Lost Bank stuff is going to be introduced there that's going to pay off in, in Avengers 4. Um, I, and I, again, this, that's just the fan in me. I'm just assuming. But I think it, uh, Disney got a hold of our feed because you just went buffered right when you started talking. <laughs> yeah, you did. So. <laughs> There's seriously a mouse there. A literal mouse. A Mickey mouse. <laughs> I am near Disney. But uh, I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. The, uh, I mean, pretty much probably... Well, I mean, it's like I was talking to somebody the other day. And they're like, oh, like I mentioned scrawls. And they're like, what? You can say scrawls are in it? It's like, well, they've said scrawls are in it. So, you know, yeah. so you got scrawls, you got Creed, you got Captain Marvel. Um, it looks, uh, I saw some of the animatics for some of the scenes. It looks looks cool. It's, it looks like it's got like a nice sense of humor. It's not, I don't think it's going to be Ragnarok funny, but, right. you know, but it's going to be, you know, maybe not even quite Ant-Man, but it's, it's got, you know, it's got like its own kind of, you know, s style of humor in it. So it looks, looks very promising. I'm, I'm, uh, can't wait. It's only eight months away. It'll be here before you know it. Oh, uh, Rob Zombie. Yeah, I was going to say, so, uh, he, Joe, Joe read my mind. So we're going, we've talked about comic books for a good, good piece. We're going, let's go back to horror because the people in this room, we're actually going to do an episode on this man alone eventually, eventually. Uh, you're a frequent collaborator with rob zombie uh yeah or more accurately wayne toth who uh is buddies with rob and has been doing all of his uh makeup effects and a lot of his stage show stuff since i guess house of a thousand corpses yeah um, maybe even before that so i i did a little bit of work on so so i i come at the rob zombie stuff by way of wayne um uh -huh. I don't honestly don't remember how I how I met Wayne, how I know him, but we get along great. We're, we're good pals. Um, he brought me in on House of a Thousand Corpses. I mainly did the uh, tiny character, the big burn guy. Mm -hmm. um, I think I seem to recall the um, Bill Mosley's got like a skull face thing. I think I might have done that the first time it worked. You know, I think he was just like, here, go paint a skull on him. Uh -huh. um, I, I don't know where I was when he did the first Halloween. I came back for Halloween too. Right. Uh, that was a that was a lot of fun. Uh, we did that in Atlanta. Um, that was my second Pet Cemetery, and then Halloween two. Pet Cemetery two, and then Halloween two was my second Atlanta outing. Um, it was uh, I got to know Rob better on that one. I was kind of on the inner circle. You know, our trailer kind of became the place where he would come um, to get away from all the bullshit you know if he needed someplace just to come sit down and vent or just right hop, you know for a while uh that that was more more than likely the place where it would be um a couple times you know we'd go see movies you know on the weekend and stuff we hang out hung out with tyler Maine as well that was cool playing video games and whatever um it was a fun show wayne was mainly i mean i would help him where i could with with the michael myers stuff but there's a lot of um just victims and whatnot and there were frequently you know wayne would be on set so he'd say like i go back um and kill so and so you know so he would just <laughs> so you know sometimes it was a pre-designed specific thing other times he was just like i just make something uh 
you know, make something up. I forget, uh, man, I'm blanking on her name. Who's the, um, Octavia Spencer was in it. And uh, she gets, uh, he, we had a prosthetic where she had like a cut on her nose that's yeah. uh, bleeding. And then uh, Rob wanted to kill her on camera. So she gets stabbed a bunch of times and she ends up like with a, a knife in her head. But she's also got some wounds on her face. She plays like a nurse in the hospital where right. um, the girl's at. But like all the other facial stuff, you know, Wayne was like, go back and start on her and then I'll, you know, I'll come back as soon as I can and help you finish her. And by the time he got back to the trailer, he's like, oh, I see you're done. And I put, you know, whatever. I just pulled stuff out of our stock and just, you know, stuck on it. So there there was a lot of, uh, you know, opportunities to just kind of wing it um, and, you know, literally, you know, pulling stuff out of our ass. So, uh, right. And, and doing some fun stuff. There was that uh, Danielle Harris when she gets killed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we had like a big cut on her side. And that was the one time, I don't know what Rob was expecting, but that was the one time he actually kind of flinched when he came in and we had her all done. And he's like, damn, <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> like, what, too much? He goes, no, no, it's, because I, you know, I, I wasn't expecting anything quite that extreme, but he goes, well, that, that, that'll be fine. You know, so but literally it was kind of like, you know, taking him back a little. And uh, as you know, Rob's got uh, tattoos all over the place. And I, I don't think it was on Halloween 2. It was probably on 31. I was talking with him. And I noticed on one of his wrists, he's got the Jack Kirby thing tattooed on there. So it's like, you know, it's, you know, it's the thing, it's the Jack Kirby thing. So that, that right there, I mean, I, yeah, I thought he was a cool guy anyway, but that right there kind of upped him in my, like, you got the right one, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but we did, I did, um, what was his uh, album? Was it Hellbilly Deluxe? Hellbilly Deluxe, yeah. Well, they're all beaten up. So Wayne and I did those makeups. So that was, you know, it's, I got a credit on the Rob Zombie album, which I never thought I would, you know, would do. Yeah. Uh, I did 31 with uh, Wayne and that was, um, was I on the whole time? I think I was only supposed to be on a couple of weeks for that one, but um, I think something, some scheduling stuff opened up to where I could come back and, and do more of that. And that was with the clown guys and the clown makeups. And, and again, there were days when we we're just, you know, winging it you know uh you know where he would again just uh Wayne and I get along well enough that you know he, he's not afraid to like you know here put something on this guy you know and, yeah. and he'll be happy with it um I almost did Lords of Salem but that went from being a huge makeup show to I think only one day of makeup effects uh and so he, he did every time he would call and because I was doing Men in Black three at the time. So he'd be calling me like in New York and he's like, oh, you know, I, I need you for four weeks on this. And then it's like, oh, I need you for two weeks. Oh, it's only one week. Oh, we don't have any, you know, we don't have any budget. Uh, in fact, have you guys seen Lords of Salem? We yes. have. Yes. James and I were the two people that, that saw it in the theater. You know, well, I, yeah, I'm the third one, but uh, the, the little demon uh -huh. that, uh, that's in there, Wayne had built the head for that. Um, and uh, he hadn't done the body yet. And I was, he was saying like, yeah, this is Vern Troyer's stunt double, um, you know, is wearing the, uh, this gonna be wearing the makeup. And I was like, well, I happen to have the molds for Vern Troyer's men in black alien body. Uh, so he's like, oh, you know, can I buy, I go and it's kind of babyish and it was supposed to be like a little underdeveloped baby. So um, I let Wayne borrow the molds and he took a pull of like the body and um, you know, tore the stomach open or whatever, and made it gross. But the basic, the basic body on that is our our Men in Black uh, one hmm. little alien that we did for Troyer. So there's a little bit of, a little bit of trivia for you. Wow. Um, 
but uh and then i just worked on uh was it three from hell yeah i was on for a couple of days um just helping out with some some blood stuff and again it was more of a that was like really low budget and uh uh so i wayne couldn't afford like like on 31 he's like hey he goes i i won't insult you by they have things called uh we have i'm in the makeup union right so they have certain rates that you're supposed to work for and then they have what they call like tier one productions which are like super low budget where they can um legally they can pay you less than what they're supposed to and he's like he goes i won't insult you by offering you this tier one rate but he's like how how little will you work for so we kind of met in the middle you know <laughs> but on 21 they couldn't even they wouldn't even play ball with him like that so i just went in for a, a day or two um i was um i think i was doing a jennifer garner movie called peppermint that'll be out uh, later this year and something there, there, there was a, a bit enough of a hole in my schedule where i could go in for a day or two and and just helping with some blood stuff. So um, I, I can't even, I think there's a sequence in a women's prison where some people get, uh, uh, you know, beat up or cut up. So we, we had some stuff on this one, uh, you know, like big dykish, uh, you know, prison, uh, right. prison girl, prison lady. So, um, so anyway, but it was, you know, it was nice to see Rob again. Bill Mosley was there. So, you know, it was, you know, fun to catch up. But Wayne is, I've got a small circle of friends that, um, Kind of like when Rob Bottin called me for mm-hmm. for RoboCop, and I was like, I'm, I don't care what it is, I'm there. You know, Wayne, Wayne's one of those guys that you know, if if it can uh, work out, then I'll you know pretty much you know jump at any chance to to work with him. Same thing like when I did Bad Grandpa with Steve Prouty. Um, I'd done a couple of other shows with him prior to that, so when he called up and just said, he goes, Hey, it's it's me, it's Will Huff, and it's Johnny Knoxville, and I'm like, I'm there, <laughs> you know. <it's> like, <laughs> Yeah, that's all I need to hear. Um, so, um, you know, there's at this kind of like at this point in my career, it's almost more about, you know, who I'm working with and if it's a, a fun. The relationships. Fun, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Experience. And it's, you know, I mean, that was a cool thing. Men in Black 3 going on 40 years. And that was kind of that was his last big show. Um, and then I was getting to apply Boris the Animal, you know, so it's like, you know, it's nice to kind of go out you know, to be a part of Rick's, you know, swan song, what became pretty much, I mean, he did Maleficent after that, but, uh, but you know, getting to do the main character and it's a Rick Baker movie and it's Rick Baker makeup, you know? So again, just the, the fan in me was like, yay, you know? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, but, it, but yeah, it seems like lately these days, it's more like, you know, who, yeah, am I working with my buddies? I got friends that do American horror stories. So anytime I can, you know, over and help them or, you know, the guys I've, uh, the guys I've been working with on the Marvel stuff, mostly the legacy people, they're, they're real cool. So if I can, you know, you know, try and just drop anything. To, so it's, it's, yeah, but it's certainly, it's more about, um, you know, working with your pals and, you know, doing, thankfully it's still cool stuff, you know? So, uh, so I, I get to do both, you know, work with my friends and work on a, a cool movie. Uh, I've got to ask one fan question, speaking of which, and maybe this is also working with people that you've worked with before, but you've done, you worked on Star Trek in uh, the films and recently in, on Star Trek Discovery. How did that come about? Because I'm a huge Star Trek fan, so I have to ask. Uh, well, again, it's it's just working for your pals. Um, okay. I mean, I, I day checked. I've been in the makeup union since '94, so I've worked on like Star Trek, um, DS9, Voyager. I think I did a little bit of Enterprise. I worked on the last three, I think, or you know, Next Generation cast movies. But then when the two J.J. Abrams movies 
were done. Um, uh, friends of mine were were heading that up. So and the shoot we're shooting in town. So they had these big cattle call days where they needed you know a, you know just a bunch of people. Um, but similarly on Discovery, they were shooting that in Toronto. But there was enough other stuff going on that they the other shows in Toronto had depleted the the makeup roster. So this friend of mine, James McKinnon, who was heading it up. Um, he was able to bring people in from LA. And so I was one of the ones that he called. He, he brought in maybe half a dozen or more, but he had like me cash and Aaron Kruger from horror story and Mike Smithson and uh, Bruce Fuller. He had a lot of big, but he had also, cause James had been in Atlanta with us on uh, guardians too. So he was pulling people from Atlanta as well as LA. Um, so, but yeah, it was just, you know, again, it's just friends calling friends. James and I worked together on dollhouse back in, whenever the hell that was. Mm -hmm. um, and we, I think we'd even had some, our paths had crossed a little bit prior to that. So it's just, um, I mean, like John Blake, who brings me in to do the vision. I first met him on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, working for Mark Showstrom. He was on our team for that. So, you know, some, thankfully some of these uh, friendships and relationships last and you may not work for them, you know, it may be a span of, decades sometimes unfortunately but you know like when blake got civil war he's like i know bart's a comic book guy so he's you know who else am i going to call to do the vision or when spectral motion i'd met mike elizaldi on the first hellboy and then so when he got the fantastic four he's like well bart you know he's the he's the guy to call so you know so at least i'm in some people's minds in terms of like i'm the comic book guy and i'm a makeup guy so when we got a you know a movie with makeup that's get them together so, so another important question is so when you're doing the marvel movies your choice of apparel is obvious but what happens when you do peppermint with jennifer garner what the hell shirt do you wear for that <laughs> I'll, I'll still do the either the marvel stuff or sometimes lately i've been switching over to the pennywise because i've got uh at least a good dozen in fact i got one coming in the mail i think it's from <laughs> it's the acid burn but it's got like the werewolf and the owl marsh and the mummy yeah and the, other characters so i was like oh cool they should give um, these to you for free do you tell them who you are they should i a couple of times i did order i think when i ordered my Ernest scared stupid and i think they had a pennywise and um i i just you know paid for them ordered them and then they like returned the money they were like oh you know it's you <laughs> you know um and so they yeah they gave them to me for free and uh a couple of times they have. I mean, usually, you know, whoever you're buying them yeah. from is the artist, you know. So, you know, it, it's easy for anybody to say, like, hey, I made that, you know. Yeah, right. I do have one. I have two questions, and these are my final two. One is, what is a dream project that you would love to work on? Let's go with that first. Uh, well, if Marvel, <clears throat> if they get the Fantastic Four back, I would love to be... Uh, actually, I'd love to be like, not necessarily doing the makeup on it. I, I wish they would just put me in a room with all this Jack Kirby reference and say, just find cool Kirby stuff to put in the, <laughs> put in the movie. Um, I mean, makeup wise, I think probably like, if, I'd love to do a dark side makeup. Somebody yeah. was at a, a talk a few years ago where somebody's like, what comic book character would you like to do? And I couldn't think of anyone, but then right when it was over, I was like, ah, oh, crap, dark side. So yeah, if I could, uh, like a really nice dark side makeup, I think would just from a fan perspective yeah um but just as a makeup I, I, it seems like i've done pretty much 
enough of all different types of makeup, you know, to, just in terms of, you know, makeup effects. So yeah, it's, I'd say dark side. So okay. there you go. The second question is something that I ask all writers or directors, usually production people, who's the worst director you've worked with and why? You know, <laughs> Uh, what are you going to say? You don't have to answer it? Yeah, I was going to say, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. <laughs> but I always ask. And it, honestly, almost everyone always answers. And they always have a great... Even if it's a director, they'll have, well, let me tell you about Joel Silver and how I hate that dick or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll probably pass on that one. I, and maybe just because no one's leaping to mind. It's probably the old, uh, was it Time Heels? You, know, yeah. old, you tend to you know think of the good times more so than the... Uh, than the bad ones and I, I think i've been you know pretty lucky both with the actors and the directors that i've worked with that you know guys like guillermo del toro is a a fan you know yeah. so you know that's cool when you've got somebody or like you know kevin feige at marvel um but yeah i'm sure there's you know been some but i nobody's you know i've, I've had some uh, kind of butted heads with some directors in the past and you know over some stuff but i you know again nothing leaps to mind or okay oh, we don't have enough time to go into that but um oh, we have but, all the time in the world we have all the time in the world <laughs> if you've got a good story yeah our kids uh, are in bed we're good, we're good. <laughs> no but it's like and again it's maybe because i think even stuff that at the time where i'm like oh geez that you know what a pain in the ass i can't wait for this movie to be over then you know, a year later, I'm like, that was a great time. I had a, you know, yeah. and again, it's even um, something like Bright, where D David Ayers has got a very, uh, his his people skills may not be <laughs> what some people, what they ought you know. Are they very but, much like his movies? Is his personality his movies? Yeah, you definitely see that coming through. But but even yeah, like, on a, see that. Like, like on a show like that, or like we were shooting in like really crappy parts of LA and it was just, a, you know, just between like i'd leave home all like yeah i'm gonna go apply a cool makeup today and then after an hour in the la traffic i'd be like oh i'm ready to kill somebody but but even on something like that like in our trailer i had like chris nelson's a friend of mine that goes back to danger island and jamie kelman i've worked with on a million shows and richard redlison so even like within the confines of at least in our trailer everything was everybody was buddies everybody got along so so all that was very positive so even you know, if the show had other negative aspects, like again, like we're shooting in crappy locations. I think on the way to work one night, Will Smith's hair guy, he was at a traffic light and someone pulled a gun on him, you know, because we were like in just skid row, just real shit parts of LA, you know. So there, there was lots of negatives going on, but but at least in the trailer, you know, it was, it was we were all buddies and it was all good. So, and again, maybe I just, maybe it's a defense mechanism, you know, where I just <laughs> tend to, to push all the bad stuff away and just you know remember the good stuff but um so and, and again I, there's probably i'm sure once we hang up it'll be like oh wait a minute <laughs> oh we can do it again anytime you want to call up and go over it we will stop everything oh, we're doing and do it again yeah, absolutely my previous uh podcast guys were just texting me before this going like hey when are we going to do another one so uh, but yeah once this gets all cut together and see how it goes i'm sure we could i'm sure there's lots of stuff i we haven't gotten to because i tend to drone on too much no I've, no I, it's been great i do want to ask one quick final question on my part uh, it you better be a good one you mentioned earlier <laughs> obviously makeup work and things like that but you mentioned earlier you are in the screen actors guild for puppeteering 
Right, right. What is the process for being recognized as puppeteering in the Screen Actors Guild? I've never had anybody tell me that story or, or right. have that credential. Damn it, that's a good question. I can't give him crap. <laughs> okay, um, I, I got, uh, on the first Men in Black, um, Rick Baker subcontracted uh, these two alien characters to my shop, and they required a radio control uh, to operate the, the mouth and the eyes. So my partner and I uh, took them on set and performed, helped perform them. We had a couple, they had like a, um, a crew of uh, regular SAG puppeteers, guys who would do like McDonald's commercials and that kind of crap, um, which they're good character performers, but they're not always good creature performers. Right. There is a, a difference. But uh, so I got um, uh, SAG eligible on that show. You have to work. I think you have to get like three days, like these vouchers and work three days. Um, but I didn't join until we were prepping Men in Black 2. And I was uh, working with the Worm Guy character. So I knew there was going to be a lot of uh, work with them in the show. And um, when we had our oversized puppets, I was going to, I wanted to do the antennas on that because I was like, well, anybody can do that. So it might as well be me. So I, so I went and joined. So, and that was just a question of paying your, initiation you know fees but even though i hadn't joined sag i was still getting residual checks off of the first men in black for the criteria and there's a whole formula for you know it depends on how you know from what the movie makes they take a certain percentage of that and set it aside as residuals for the sag performers and then you know if there's two actors in the movie then they split it if there's a hundred actors then it gets divvied up based on how many days, you know, you worked on the show and, and all this sort of stuff. So there's a, a big complicated formula, for, but you know, I just, you know, I, I did some, uh, there was an American Horror Story Roanoke. There was a shot where they had some severed pigtails on a yeah. wall. Twi- yeah. And uh, I, um, you know, they were like, hey, we need some extra guys to puppeteer those. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And so I just got a check today for that. It's like, you know, like a hundred bucks. I was like, oh, I'll take it, <laughs> you know. Um, that's four yeah, shirts. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a hundred bucks is pretty good. I saw some of those residual checks. It could be like 75 cents. I have gotten some pretty tiny ones. Uh, but I get the two Men in Black 1 and 2 and Angels of Demons. Uh, I get checks off of those. Um, I got other friends that have done a ton of SAG. There's some uh, famous story. One of the Stan Winston guys who puppeteered like the T-Rex arms or something on the first Jurassic Park. I think his first check before taxes was like 75 grand, you know, and um, yeah, I've never seen anything remotely close to that, but, uh, but he actually had the nerve to go in the shop and complain (laughs) how much taxes they'd taken out of his check. (laughs) It's like, there's like 50 people here that would have killed to made the dinosaur do that. (laughs) You know, so so just take your money and shut up. (laughs) But, um, but anyway, so it's, um, but that was part of the thing that kind of pissed me off on Cat in the Hat was that I was supposed to, uh, I was, there were a couple of gags. There's a gag where the cat's arm stretches. Ooh, that's kind of like that. And uh, and so like I, I was his hand and then we had like a, a stretchable glove that, you know, and I played his hand in a couple other scenes. And again, that should have been a sag. The understanding was that would have been a sag day. And then the producer was like, eh, I don't want to pay for that. So after the fourth time of doing that, I was like, well, I got a better job offer, so goodbye. If it so, makes you yeah. feel better, no offense, I know you worked on it, that movie's terrible. 
It, it unfortunately it is, and um, the I think the movie we shot was better. Bo Welch, oh, really? the director, he was the art director on Men in Black, and uh -huh. he, he's a real nice guy. And um, there's definitely the when I left the script, it was one script that we shot, and then by the time they tested it and did reshoots, what came out was noticeably different. So I remember when I went and saw the crew screening, I'm like, where did all this crap come from? So it's hard, I mean, without just sitting there and pointing yeah. um, to say what was what, but they, it was definitely monkeyed with in post and, and not to the better. So I, I, I don't think, not, it's not saying what we shot was going to be a classic, but it was, I think it was certainly better. Superior, right. Yeah, like I used to say, I don't write them. I just work on them. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's it's always nice to work on something you're not ashamed of. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, yeah, cat in the hats. Uh, yeah, not not so much, but you know, whatever. That's okay. But no, I just I appreciate you uh, answering the question about puppeting because I I haven't encountered anybody with that background before, so I really wanted to know. Thank you. Well, I hope that uh, cleared it up a little bit. It's 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 a weird area because it's um. Yeah, I guess because you're performing there live, you know, with the cast, but you would think like a stop motion animator should be entitled to residual checks. You know, if, if I can get a check from doing this with a puppet here, this guy's, you know, Ray Harryhausen's actually right, right, yeah. performance in that thing, but they don't get, you know, and then on the same token, you would think like your C are your CGI guys entitled because they're sometimes taken next to nothing and, and making these so it's a weird you know gray area and i think they're always trying to a lot of times they do what they call a buyout where they don't have to they just give you a little bit better paycheck for the day and then they don't have to give you residuals later uh which kind of sucks because if it's a big hit then you know yeah. you're not going to be getting all that money so it's it's one of those things where they're trying to always trying to screw you out of you know what you got coming that so. uh that studio math that's right. Yeah. What is it? Shows like uh, Alien never turned a profit. <laughs> you know, uh, Forrest Gump, I think, is the big one that people always yeah, use as yeah. an example. I think it's, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. right. So do you want to, we've kept you for two hours. We're so sorry we kept you so long. Well, that's okay. I'm glad we got it worked out. I Hopefully, uh, I know we probably, uh, you know, glossed over or didn't get to uh, a few things but oh again, we have a no, we have a whole half a list <laughs> <laughs> well again what's this when, when will this be up uh, on your uh we're, we're we don't know exactly hopefully and we're that's a good question we'll have to get back to you and let you know uh, before we go i want to make sure that our viewers um our listeners know they can go to your museum where in houston say it for us one more time well, it's, uh, I should have the address handy. I no, no, but it's in my, Houston. What's the name of the museum? Oh, okay. If you go to my website, bartnixon.com, there's a link for the Mixon right. Memories Museum. Uh, it's in South Houston, which is a suburb of Houston, which oddly enough is on the south side of Houston. Um, typically, it's like a nonprofit sort of thing. Um, I think it's mainly just a place for my dad to go hang out, <laughs> you know. Um, but he's generally there every Sunday from like two to dark. Um, it's got, it's a 4,000 square foot building. Um, the back three quarters of it have got, I've got like the spider from it. I've got Pennywise figures, um, Men in Black 2, the big dead alien that was in the Men right. in Black headquarters that Frank the Pug hides among all the tentacles at one point. 
Um, I designed and oversaw the construction of that at Rick's and they gave that Rick and Sony didn't want it after the show wrapped. So I boxed it up and, or trucked it to Houston. So that's there. That, uh, so there's just Fright Night 2 stuff, uh, Ernest Scared Stupid, you know, Grinch, Hellboy, you know, whatever. There's just all kinds of stuff there. So it's, um, you know, check it out. We have some listeners in Houston. Curtis, one of our, yeah. is, a, yes. is a listener. So they'll, they, they probably will actually get some uptick in business there. So that'd Curtis, be go to Bart Mixon's museum. Yeah. So they can go to bartmixon.com. They can follow you on Instagram as well, right? Right. All right. So is there any projects you want to talk about before we get off here uh, that you've got coming up that you want to shout out? I know you've got the Marvel stuff. Well, Captain Marvel will be uh, be out next March. I just did uh, this thing called Peppermint with Jennifer Garner. It's the director of uh, Taken. Yeah. It's kind of her return to the action genre. Right. Uh, so she's kind of excited about getting back into that. So it's, it's kind of a, a blood and dirt uh, type show. You know, she's got a pretty good body count in that one. I forget how many people we killed in that but um a fair amount um and nothing i mean that rob zombie uh three from hell i was on that a little bit uh rumor is they're going to be doing a bright two so i'm hoping to be on that it's all that and uh man nah, i'll probably again i'll probably remember something when you guys that's <laughs> when you're done but that that's uh that's yeah, pretty much it so i think peppermint's out the, i know the trailer dropped for that a couple of weeks ago so check that out um so, yeah, that's about it. Okay, so we'll do the wrap, and then if you can stay on really quick, we'll say goodbye to you, okay? So this has been right. Bonehead. Bonehead. Um, one, uh, just one what thing. Did one thank you. What did I miss? One thank you to uh, Blake Best. Yes. Who, uh, without Blake Best, we wouldn't have gotten in contact with you. All right. So thank you, Blake. We really appreciate the help. Absolutely. So this is Bonehead. Follow us on YouTube, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Subscribe. Leave comments. Leave comments. Positive ones. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark Mixon. We are out. Take care. Take care. Wasn't that fun, kids? I know I had a blast. Me too. Chuck E. Cheese, screw you. Absolutely. James still isn't here. Oh, no, but he did call in between uh, the episodes, and uh, basically all I heard was, ow, ow, it burns, it burns, make it stop, and then a big plop, and then the phone died. It's funny. He called you, but I heard a whole thing about mommy, 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 blow on it. I did not hear that. Mm. What do you think it meant? I think it could mean several different things. Could he be calling for his mother? Could he be calling for someone else's mother? What did he mean by blow on it? Bart Mixon, thank you so much for coming on this episode. You're one of our favorite guests that we've ever had. You told some great stories. We really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back. He has promised that he will come back on if this doesn't suck. <laughs> right? So, uh... He didn't say it that way, but I know that that's what the MFR meant. <laughs> so thanks, Bart. I'm just cutting out the middleman. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it didn't suck, and I hope you had a good time because we love talking to you. And again, thank you to Blake Best for um, all your help in getting this set up. Absolutely. Um, and just remember to uh, subscribe on YouTube iTunes and SoundCloud, rank us, leave comments, and rate us. I don't think you can rank us. You can rate us, you can rank us, you can do whatever you want. However, you need to subscribe. The reason we're able to get certain guests is because we meet other people like like Bart, like, who like, was who, and because we knew Blake, he was able to build a relationship with. He already had a relationship with Bart and was able to talk to or getting to talk to us. 
the better ratings we have, the more subscribers, the more people are more apt to pay attention to us. So we have great guests. We want to get more great guests. If you enjoy listening to these people, specifically the behind-the-scenes people, you need to subscribe to us and you need to share us with other folks and have them subscribe too. Because, like I said, our one of our favorite people, Mick Strong, called me the other yeah. day and his first words out of his mouth is, why isn't Blunt Bonehead more popular? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, look at me, I got dream more of your review. <laughs> no, I love Mixtron. But we need the help. We need you to share. We need you to subscribe. Please do so. And on that note, we will see you again next week. Mm-hmm. Have James you. may or may not be here. It depends if we find super glue to reattach his junk. And he may be walking more and more like John Wayne. We'll find out. Manly? No. 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 He won't have any manhood. No. Bye, everybody. Nothing for his mommy to blow on. before we keep going. Sorry. Does it look okay now? There were just lots of videos. Oh, do I look like I have boobs? One. One big boob. <laughs> One big boob. I just keep playing with it, massaging it. There's no way to talk about James when he's not here. <laughs>